Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Chris Shelby and Dr. Weish Coleman of WKI Institute and we're talking about cataract surgery. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down so we can be sure and hear your questions. The number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it scrolling across the bottom of your screen throughout the show. Thanks for being here again with us doctors. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we enjoy it. So we were just talking during the break how interesting it is to talk about cataracts. And I know we talk about this, and it may feel like we're asking the same questions, but the, the answers get more and more defined, and it's always such a good, informative show. We love our callers because it's always a great discussion. So let's start again, like you were talking about, like once you thought, or you had talked to someone of your patients, thought it was a film or something about the cataracts. What are the different myths and different things that we think a cataract really is? Well, you know, people hear the term cataract and they hear the term human lens. So a cataract is simply a color change of your God-given lens. So when we say cataract, what we're talking about is your lens that has simply changed colors or has some haze or opacity in it that causes blurred vision. So it's the condition that mm -hmm. changes of your eye. And you described it too as putting Coke or water, Coke, and you see Coke and you pour water in and it just Yeah, so like, in. you know, your, your, your God-given lens, the lens you're born with is crystal clear like a glass of water. And if you can imagine, slowly over time, it's like taking Coca-Cola and you slowly pour in that glass of water. It turns, you know, faintly yellow, then brownish, and then it finally gets to a point that you can't see through it. That's exactly the same thing that happens with normal cataract development. And of course, that takes 60 to 70 years. So is that what you see when you are looking at the eye yourself when you're getting examination? Does it look that way to you that it's sometimes? That color? Yeah. yeah, I mean we actually have a term Coca-Cola cataract, uh -huh. and and so when we're in surgery, you can't see a red reflex. The the cataract, the lens is dense and brown, mm -hmm. uh, but that's why on an eye exam we dilate a patient, even if they're not really symptomatic, we can see early cataract development. Okay. So we can see that their lens has gone from clear to kind of yellowish brown. Okay. And Dr. Coleman, we were talking about the different ways you can treat it, different surgeries. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, the, whatever cat type of cataract it is, and yeah, you know, sometimes you see them that are that are brown and they're hard as a rock, and you know, that's more common in third world countries. I've done a couple of medical mission trips to go operate in Haiti and Trinidad, and you know, all of them are that way there, just about that you operate on there. The, some of them are so dense that you can't do the, the modern method of cataract surgery we would do in the U.S., which is called phacoemulsification. That's basically taking an ultrasound machine and breaking it up into small pieces so you can take it out through a small incision. Some of them are physically so hard, they're like a rock. They're like a pebble you would pick up off the ground, so you can't break them up with the ultrasound machine at all, and you have to break, take them out whole. So that's a different method of doing cataract surgery. And it's very rare in the United States to see somebody like that. Every now and then somebody will come, will come through our office that needs a, a, that method of surgery. But you know, typically the treatment's the same. It's cataract surgery. The, you know, the main advancements in cataract surgery in the past decade have, have had to do with um, having a, per, a, a precise refractive result, meaning we're not just trying to get the cloudy cataract out um, and then you wear glasses afterwards if you need them. We're trying to make it to where you have a high probability of being glasses independent. And the, the first stage in that progression was the ability to correct astigmatism precisely. Um, and that left people where they were in good focus at distance and wore readers to see up close. But now the multifocal lens technology has really progressed and um, it's at a mature stage where most people are a candidate for a lens that can leave them not only independent from glasses for distance, but also for up close. And if someone has the surgery and later they're not happy or it doesn't seem right, something's wrong, they can come back and get different lens put in. If they come back to you and say something's not quite right, there's different options. It's right? possible. Yeah, but that can't imagine that just really doesn't happen very often, right? I talked to everyone who we've talked about. It's 
amazing how quickly this happens. Yeah, the vast majority of patients uh, are incredibly happy yeah. almost immediately. You know, because once the cataract is out and the new lens is in, that's an instantaneous change. You know, so you have to imagine this this growth of the cataract over time has been over decades. So people know I don't see quite as well as I used to, but they don't realize how well they can see until it's done. It takes us six to ten minutes. We get that new lens in, and they immediately notice an improvement in brightness and colors. You know, within a day or two, as your pupil comes down, they're amazed how much better they can see. And they actually s spend the first few days kind of comparing, doing this and this. And with their new eye, everything, the colors are real bright, the details are back. Uh, and then, of course, with the other eye, everything kind of likes looking through a sepia filter. And that's why with the second eye, most patients, they come in and they're super excited to have surgery because they know, number one, it's not going to hurt. And number two, it doesn't take long. And number three, the results are uh, pretty much immediate. And then the vast majority of those have great results. Now, and we, we do have situations where that refractive outcome, like Dr. Coleman was saying, is not exactly where we expected it to be. And that's just part of, of human nature. That's a part of healing. And when that happens, there's things we can do to sharpen the vision, including a YAG laser afterwards, which is very common. But we can also do LASIK to enhance those results. And so we take, we try to take everybody, you know, from blurred vision to the best possible outcome we can. And so is it typical that you may have cataract in one eye and not the other or both or? Yeah, one can worsen a little bit faster okay. than the other one. Uh, and it's interesting because some patients will get symptomatic really quickly when that happens. Okay, all right, well we already have a caller for you as usual. Brenda, what is your question for the doctors? Oh, okay, my question is, if I'm going to have cataract surgery, how do I know if I have dry eye, eyes or not? Because I was told not to have the surgery done if I have dry eyes. So, you know, dry eyes, usually the symptoms of dry eyes, first of all, dry is extremely common. You know, the older you get, the less tears you produce. Um, that's just part of the deal. But most people don't have really terrible dries. They have a little bit of dries. It's a nuisance if you get in the air conditioner in the car in the wintertime when the heater comes on and the humidity goes down, you may notice that it feels like something's in them. You know, typically you have a foreign body sensation. It feels gritty like something's in the eye. But, you know, your ophthalmologist ought to be able to tell you whether you have significant dry or not. And that may make a, a difference on what type of lens you would use at the time of cataract surgery. But I think that the, the statement that if you have dry eyes, you shouldn't have cataract surgery is an extreme one. I don't think that's correct. If you know, if we did, if we if we went by that rule, we wouldn't do cataract surgery on very many people because almost everybody has a little bit of dries, and usually that's not a big problem at all. And if even in people who have severe dries, they still need cataract surgery. But you, it, there's in those in those cases, you might need to treat it and get it in a in a in a better set state before you do the cataract surgery. All right. Thank you so much for calling. Good luck with your surgery. Also, does that answer your question? I think she actually we, we is her? gone, okay. and we have Ernie now. Okay. Ernie, what is your question for the doctors? Dr. Shelby, this might be awful subject, but I just tuned in. Last three days, I had, well, I was going to ask you, what is pink eye? In other words, the top of my uh, eye has been puffy for three days, and then it stopped. Is that something to do with a blood vessel or something in there? So uh, l let me see if I uh, understand this correctly. Was it the, the top eyelid? So like your upper eyelid was kind of puffy and irritated? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's puffed out. So that, that could be uh, a number of things. So, so pink eye 
is generally it's it's what we call conjunctivitis. So the the white part of the eye, the covering, that mucous membrane gets irritated. Those blood vessels become engorged, and what it looks like in the mirror is that your eye is pink. You know, and of course your eye hurts. It runs water. It's kind of blurry, uh, and it can be itchy also. And what you have is is some swelling of the upper eyelid, and of course that could be an allergy you know you could have had an allergic reaction to something it could be one of those little oil glands in the eyelid is is a little bit swollen and it's causing the eyelid itself to swell up uh, that's what that's due to and it just depends we'd have to take a look and see uh, exactly what's going on well this talk after three days it doesn't puff no more so, yeah but i will see it from time yeah, that, that's pretty common. And, and the thing is, is when something flares up like that, especially the eyelids, one of the best things we tell people to do is some warm compresses. I mean, you can simply take a washcloth, run as hot of water as you can stand it, later over the eyes. That helps to dilate those little pores, and it's, it's actually very soothing. Um, and, of course, if it continues, if it worsens, lasts more than, you know, 48, 72 hours, let us know. But as long as it's going away, it's, it's uh, nothing to worry about. Okay, I appreciate it very much. Y'all do a great job. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ernie. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Ernie. And, and talking about dry eye, too, I know you told us once before, which was fascinating to me. I didn't know that overnight, if you just put something in your eye the night before, that a lot of times dry eye, you, your eyes will open at night a little bit, and, and they'll dry out while you're sleeping? Yeah, it's super common, you know. Wow. <clears throat> about 50% of people, maybe. That, that could be an overestimate. It's hard to tell. But a lot of people, a bunch, <laughs> yeah. maybe half. Have a, have a millimeter open at night or, a, or two so they're not quite totally closed. And especially if you sleep with a fan, especially with a CPAP. People oh, yeah. with CPAP machines, should be, they should be given ointment <clears throat> when they're given the CPAP machine oh. because they are going to dry out at night. And the reason is you have airflow blowing by and that just that little sliver that's open dries out overnight. And the problem with that is, is if you don't treat that, it doesn't matter what else you do. You can give somebody a thousand teardrops a day but if it dries out continuously for eight hours, you can't make up for that damage to the sun. So a lot of people, and there's a characteristic pattern of dryness in those people. It's in the inferior lower part of their cornea and really nowhere else. And if you lubricate it at night with some gel tears or some, or some overnight ointment, that solves the problem completely. Oh, that's such good to know. And I've been doing that ever since you told me. So. Does it help? I'm good girl. Yes. Yeah, okay. It really helpful. has. Amazing. It really has yeah. helped. So, it's yes, simple. I'm going to tell yeah. you, it does. And we also have Nakia on the line. Hi, thanks for calling. What's your question? Hello, thank you all for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I, I have, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I want to know, I've had cataracts, I've had the cataract service, and I've had both of my eyes done, and I can see perfect all the way through. I can see as, as far as anybody else can see, but the only concern I have is with it being so far, you know, like three months for each eye, I'm still not able to see up close, <laughs> period, and I, it's worrying me. Well, what type of lens did you get, do you know? I don't know. It started with the P. Was it the, the panoptics? That's it. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, the panoptics gives really reliable near vision. You know, we've accumulated a lot of data on about 450 eyes, and something like 98% of people read 2025 or better up close. So if you've got the panoptics lens and you're not getting quality near vision yet, that's there's a couple things it could be. Um, Number one, we want to check and make sure you don't have any residual refractive error, but if you're seeing great at distance, you probably don't. You know, I have a very low threshold in my practice, Dr. Shelby does too, for lasering a secondary cataract because sometimes mm -hmm. you see people that never quite achieve the near vision that they expected and they, and they never really get there until you laser the secondary mm -hmm. cataract, even if it doesn't look that significant. 
Um, I would say if you're seeing wonderful at distance and the near vision's all you're lacking, there's a high probability that you're going to get there. Um, th so it would be worth taking a look. You know, did, did one of us do your cataract surgery? No, sir. Okay. Well, that's a relief. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, I think I think it sounds like you've had a good result. Yeah. Like, most people have a great result. Yeah. Um, yes, we're yes, a little biased towards ourselves, but I mean, there's plenty of good <laughs> ophthalmologists in town. But if you oh, if you weren't where you wanted to be, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, ask your surgeon if they would consider doing a laser on the secondary cataract. They probably have a low threshold for doing it, mm -hmm. and I bet it would help your near vision a lot. That's that's the first move that I would make. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I use my reading glasses and it works, but I don't want to wear it with the glasses. I well, want to be able sure. to see. And the other thing is, when you have a multifocal lens placed. Sometimes you can get dependent on the reading glasses, and, and then you, you sort of never make that neuroadaptation. Your brain has to figure out which image to use when. See if you can wean okay. yourself off of them, but then also think about the secondary cataract. That could be part of the problem, and if you can't figure it out, come see us. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you all so very much. I appreciate it. All oh, yeah. of it. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for calling. And so talk about lenses. How many different types of lenses are there, and how does it determine which lens? you use for someone a lot yeah, yeah i mean the the uh the great thing is we have a lot of options you know the drawback is we got a lot of options you know mm -hmm. and it's all based on how somebody wants to see so the lens selection we have is like tools and so when somebody says i want to be out of glasses or you know i'm a hunter golfer i want to see as well as i can at a distance you know then we have different lenses that will you know supply us with the outcomes that we're looking for okay gosh even more more and more options yeah you know, it's great and brenda we have Brenda on the line. Hi, Brenda. Is Brenda there? Yes, I've asked the question before right. concerning the dry eyes, and yeah. uh, the doctor wanted to ask yeah. me a question, but I had hung up before he asked the question. Oh, I just wanted to make sure that that answered your question. Did you get your question answered before? I think that's what Dr. Coleman wondered. Well, I, I would say, I guess you did, did. I don't know. I'm supposed to be having surgery on the 29th on my eyes. So I just want to make sure that my eyes are not dry. I want everything to go through, you know, good for me. I would say that if, you know, if you've had a pre-op exam by the surgeon who's going to do your surgery and they weren't concerned about your eyes, you shouldn't be either. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I would say because it's obvious on exam. You know, it's not like it's not like dry eyes that's that's severe enough to make you delay cataract surgery. It's hard to see. It's it's going to be obvious. Uh, they would know it. So I I think that's probably low on the list of things to worry about if your if your doctor wasn't worried about it on your pre-op exam. Does that answer your question, okay, Brenda? Okay. Uh, should I? Uh, consult the consult the doctor about my dry eye. I'm not the dry eyes, but the lens that they're gonna put in my eyes. Yeah, it's probably worth asking. You know, um, if it wasn't brought up before, you know, if you if you have a lot of astigmatism, it's certainly worth correcting that. If you want to get totally free from glasses with a multifocal lens, are you a candidate for it? And those those questions really depend on the specific measurements of your eyes. Um, and that and that's that's got to be answered on a case-by-case -case basis but it, it's worth asking because there are some great options out there to leave you with more glasses independence mm -hmm. hey i do appreciate you thanks for calling thank you 
And thanks for calling back, Brenda. It was nice to talk to you and wrap that up and find out if we got everything answered yeah, for her. Yeah, felt Thank like you. we left, left yeah. it hanging. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good to follow through like that. Thanks. Uh, we have a Tim on the line. Tim, what is your question for the doctors? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, good afternoon, doctor. Um, I've had uh, two or three different prescriptions in the last 15 years, and I've been told that I'm not a, a candidate for the uh, laser surgery by my doctor here in Texarkana. Uh, my question is, um, on the panoptics, uh, those are customizable. Are you, they, you can be set up to see longer or, or for short, because the problem I'm having is short, is short vision. It just gradually went away. And my second question is, uh, is wh what, what is the first symptom that the average person is going to see? I'm approaching 60, and I really don't know if I have a cataract or not. Good questions. You know, so we'll answer your second question first. If you're approaching 60, you got cataracts. I, I can tell you that right now because we begin to see them significantly when people hit their early to mid 50s. Matter of fact, if you were to come in and let's say, you know what, I want LASIK because I want to get out of uh, glasses, we would look really carefully for a cataract because that that process of cataract development is just going to progress over time. And so what most people notice initially is actually that part of losing your near vision is part of the cataract development. Glare at nighttime, you know, when you're driving at night, glare is becoming problematic. Trouble reading small print in dim situations, and that has to do with contrast sensitivity. Those are some of the early symptoms. And now the panoptics lens, you have to imagine that what we're doing with the panoptics, and they're customizable in the fact that we take measurements of your eye and we pick a lens that's perfect for what you have. So the amount of astigmatism, your nearsightedness or farsightedness, uh, we can put a lens in to match that pretty much exactly. And what that allows us to do is maximize your distance vision, allow you to see your computer, your dashboard, your food, in that intermediate range, and also give you that good near vision up close to where you're not having to use glasses for any of those ranges. Does that answer your question, Tim? Yes, ma'am, it did. Um, and uh, thank you very much, doctor. Thanks for taking my call. Y'all yeah, have a great thank day. You. Thank you. Yeah, you too, Tim. Thank oh, you. And thank most you. people don't know, you know, we've the we have a few thousand lenses in stock mm -hmm. all the time. So the que the question to, to put somebody in perfect focus without glasses, the trick is to put the lens power in their eye that's going to put that eye in focus, depending on what the the power of their cornea is and the length of the eye is and then you know what you say what power is missing to put this eye in focus you put that power lens in so we have a ton of them in stock so we we, we go use the one that we need to put that eye in focus wow. so there's pre-operative measurements and there's intraoperative measurements that's one of the key tools that's made us more accurate is the is the measurement that's taken during surgery cataracts removed before the new lens implant goes in we take a confirmatory measurement to say what lens power is what power is missing to put this eye in focus and that gives us a very high probability of achieving perfect focus after cataract surgery and you know you asked the, I want to go back to the question of, of lens options you know there's a lot of lens options and like Dr. Shelby says it's good to have options and maybe it's complicated at some point I don't know if you've picked out a toothbrush lately but you know it'd be easier if there was just <laughs> like three of them um, but I think that you know you can get caught up in this that and the other lens you know the company that makes them always wants you to think that they're better because they want you to use theirs the reality is they're all really really good now and so there's a few of them that we think are the best and so we've tried to home in on those and compile a lot of data 
post-operatively on those lenses so that our results are honed in to be as accurate as possible. Because the thing about it is, no matter what you lens you use, if you don't have a perfect refractive result, if you leave someone with astigmatism, farsightedness, nearsightedness, the lens not gonna work well, mm -hmm. no matter how good it is. Right. If you leave them with no refractive error, almost any lens will give you a really good result. You know, so the, the, the point is, is to compile data post-operatively to improve outcomes in the future. And with all the lenses that we're using now, we've, we've had the ability to do that for several years, so our results are extremely accurate. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you. Archie, we have Archie on the line. What is your question for the doctors? Oh, oh Archie man. left. Oh, no. He'll okay. call back. Like made him way too long. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Archie, fault. feel free to <laughs> call back. We're here, Archie. Uh, so, yeah, so talking about all that, everything, you have them in stock, all of these options mm -hmm. and everything right there. It, walk us through what it's like. We feel like we have these symptoms or we come to you because we don't want to wear glasses and you find out whatever you find out, we decide what I really need. How Then what happens? Yeah, so somebody comes in, they have cataracts, and usually, you know, usually when we see a patient, they know they're not seeing as well. They know it's cataracts. As long as we know that it's nothing else causing blurred vision, you know, like glaucoma, macrogeneration, diabetes, anything like that, then a patient is scheduled for surgery. And we do one at a time, and that's just the way it's done. Now, most of the times it can be done within the same week or a week apart. Uh, we operate pretty early, and patients come in, you know, of course, they fill out obligatory paperwork, and we start an IV because we do give a little sedation. And then the eyes dilated. Uh, a lot of times we use the LensX laser to do a few of the portions of the cataract surgery. And then we use the ultrasound to remove the cataract. Once the cataract is out, we take measurements and put the new lens in. That process takes six to 10 minutes. Uh, patients are there usually about an hour and a half to two hours at most. And then that we sit them up, we take them out and they're good to go home. <laughs> so it's not bad at all. Goodness, very quick. And they have someone to drive them home, oh, yeah. but they're already seeing well, like you said, it's like. Yeah, they're seeing a whole lot better. And we give a couple of margaritas in the IV, so there they gotta go. have somebody with them. Awesome, you know. <laughs> I'll book my appointment today. <laughs> Kathy, thank you for calling. What's your question for the doctors? Hey doctors, thank you. Um, I have had cataract surgery on both eyes, and I've had to have the laser surgery afterwards. And I've noticed on one of my eyes now, that it seems almost like I've got another cataract, and I know that's not possible uh, with the lights blinding you at night and having trouble in the darkened room. What could possibly, what could I do to improve my vision now? So, good question. You know, if you've had a laser for a secondary cataract, that'd be the most common thing. That'd be the first go-to. Um, I think the next question would be, you know, do you have refractive error? Do you need a little glasses prescription, especially if you're just noticing at night? Because you know, if your prescriptions changed a little bit, even a tiny bit, you, the, you would notice that at night more than you notice in the daytime. There's more blue wavelengths of light at night and those are shorter wavelengths, so they get, they get focused more by any focusing system, any lens. So a lot of people, if they, if they have a small need for a glasses prescription, say, my vision's good in the daytime, but it's not as good at night. And it may be as simple as just wearing some glasses for night driving, like a small prescription. And if it's a big enough refractive error, you can always go do a LASIK touch-up to make it perfect. Uh, but I think the real the question is, probably need to come in for an exam for that. You know, it's not impossible to have a recurrent secondary cataract. I think I've seen it three or four times um, in 10 years. So I used to say that never happens. It does happen sometimes, and you need to repeat that YAG laser to remove that film on the back of the lens implant. It's really rare to see it recur, but it is possible. So that would be worth looking at also. Okay. 
Well, thank you very much. That's given me a couple ideas. I appreciate your time. It makes sense. Thank you, Doc. You're welcome. Thanks welcome. for calling. And uh, my office number is 212-5901 if you're still listening. And it's thecataractsurgeons.com. That's the best way to find us. Hmm. Okay. That would be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Do you want to give your number out too, Dr. Oh, Shelby? Oh, yes. 212-3937. Uh, of course, we have three locations. Um, we have Wilson Knight South, where Dr. Coleman is, um, at Wilson Knight in Pyrmont, and we're also over at uh, Wilson Knight North. Okay. And even if someone doesn't have a chance to call in or they don't call in, they can tell the office that they saw you on KTBS mm -hmm. and Healthline 3. Get you an Correct. ASAP. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We, it's right expedited. Yeah. All right. Expedited. Everyone knows if you're a caller on Healthline. There get you go. Yeah. Get, in quick. get priority. <laughs> we try to get everybody. In. Yeah. Yeah. Another good reason to watch because I tell you what, this really is the information is really incredible because there are so many things that people hear, 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 but we're told forever and we just have it locked in what it really is and and it's incredible how fast it is, how many options, not all kind. What are the other different surgeries besides cataract surgery? You do a lot of different things to help people see better. Yeah, a lot of the, so the mainly the refractive procedures, right. the procedures that we do to allow people glasses independence is mainly cataract surgery and LASIK and SMILE and PRK. And of course, LASIK, SMILE and PRK is surgery we do on the cornea to help change the shape and get people out of glasses or contacts. Uh, cataract surgery being, you know, exactly that, cataract surgery. And, you know, it's not one is better than the other. Uh, and and we, we really mix them together because, like I was saying before, our ultimate goal is to get people seeing as well as possible without glasses. And so those are just some of the tools in the toolbox. But we have new treatments for glaucoma. We do a lot of MIGS procedures, which is we can actually treat glaucoma at the time of cataract surgery with very minimally invasive stents and we can dilate the drain. It can all be done at the same time. It works very, very well. Uh, doc, like Dr. Coleman said, he's doing the ICLs, the implantable contact lenses for patients who don't have a cataract but they can't have LASIK or PRK because their corneas are too thin or they have too much refractive error. Um, we're doing Daristanal, which is a, an implantable looks like a, um, a little pill that we can actually put in the front part of the eye that releases some of the glaucoma medications, lasts for up to a year, so patients don't have to be on uh, eye drops anymore. We do wow. coronal cross-linking for patients with keratoconus, uh, and then we can do intacts, which are corneal segments, to allow those keratoconus patients to see better uncorrected. I mean, it's really... Have I covered everything? I think so. It's exhausting yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> so really. It's like so. that seems simple really, until you start talking yeah. about it. Yeah. You don't realize how much you yeah. really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got a pretty big team, and they're usually specific to those different things, and they keep That's, us moving. And they're right. awesome. So Yeah, yeah let's talk a little bit about that, too, because we'd yeah. like to talk about and highlight your team, because we see the two of you, and we, we know that there's a whole bunch of people behind what you do from the office to all throughout so let's let's talk a yeah, little bit about that. I don't know how many that. people are total at the eye <laughs> suit now like maybe I don't know there's 80 by the time you do the yeah. surgery center. In the, in the eye institute yeah. all together. It's probably between 50 and 80 employees I encountered them up wow. lately but it's a lot and yeah so it's like two villages. So we do we have a dedicated <laughs> exactly yeah. we, we have a we have our own offices with the staff there and so you know when you come in for like a cataract eval I get the comment a lot that by people who have been other who have been seen you know for their eye care for their whole life so I, I had more tests done day I've ever had my whole life for well that's typical before cataract surgery so mm -hmm. coming for a cataract pre-op it's going to take a little while you're not going to be out of there in 30 minutes there's no way because we're probably going to do macular OCT optic nerve OCT pentacam scan of the cornea IOL master biometry maybe epithelial thickness map there's a lot of things to gather data and say 
what are what is the right decision for this person to get them seeing better and so we try to compile that data synthesize it and then make the right decision so we're pretty efficient at doing that um, and then we've got the surgery center at Wilsite North so we do all of our cataract surgery there Dr. Shelby's there Mondays Wednesdays Thursdays I'm there uh, Tuesdays and Fridays so that's basically a dedicated place for cataract surgery because mm -hmm. that's the bulk of what we do and then we have the refractive surgery center up there also and then we do a lot of in-office procedures at our respective offices too. And all that pre-op things that you were talking about, is, is all that typically covered by insurance or mm -hmm. how does that work is. if someone's watching yeah. and all you of know, that? Some of it's not okay. and, some, and a lot of it we just do it because even if you don't get paid you need it's the, the info right to decide to what to yeah. do. So that's even though the individual things aren't covered, I just do the same thing on everybody. Right. That way I don't have to go back and do it later and worry about that. I think it's worth having the right answer. Okay. What's something you want to leave our viewers with today before we say goodbye to you? The cataractsurgeons.com and 212-5901 uh, is my office number and Dr. Shelby. Is 212-3937. Uh, and you know, the, the, the key issue is, is life is, is too short to have blurred vision. You know, and if your vision's blurry for whatever reason, you know, there's probably something we can do about it. It's not something you have to live with. No, some absolutely people think not. I just have blurry eyes. And when somebody's been told 10, 15 years ago that they're not a candidate for something, they're probably a candidate now. Yeah, which is a good point because we always talk about yeah. how much even just you have seen it improved all the time. Told that a long time ago. Even if you had a procedure before and you're not seeing very well, come see you yep. and see if there's anything we can do. Yep, thecataractsurgeons.com. CataractSurgeons.com. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. We great learned so here. much. Yeah, great to be here, Terry. Yeah, thank we you. Really, we really do. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking so much time with our viewers when they call and give such extensive answers and, and shows you really care. They always, they call back even if they get yeah, hung up for a while. She hung up on her right. own and called back for more. So, well, thank you again so much. And everyone, thank you so much for watching us on Healthline 3. We'll see you next time. Have a good afternoon.